that in all things you would have the first place that in all things you would have preeminence so put me anywhere just put your glory in me i'll serve anywhere just let me see your beauty put me anywhere Put your glory in me, I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. Cause all is for your glory. up a little bit but it's okay you just got back from ohio yes what did you do in ohio i went to a worship conference (laughs) so what are the odds i literally went and i felt convicted and i said i need to go talk about this so here i am nice (laughs) yeah and what uh what is a worship conference it was actually the first ever catholic worship conference Hmm. apparently is what they said so i was like ah interesting first ever yeah. In the history of the church. That's <laughs> I mean, good. that's what they said, so <laughs> I'm going to take their word for it. Yeah, bold claim. Um, yeah, it was super cool. Um, but they really, they just talked about like what worship was. And um, we had like different sessions and we had breakout sessions. But we talked about like what worship was, what the history of worship is, um, and That's then, pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was super cool. Hmm. So I really enjoyed my time there. What was your favorite part? Uh, the experience itself. Yeah, it was just great overall. I I love learning, so hmm. it was fun to go and learn hmm. and like understand things from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah. How would you define worship? Mm. I would define worship as a sacrifice of self to glorify God. Hmm. So it's like sacrificing your wants and your desires and your needs and letting go of the how do I want to worship God, but more of how does God want me to worship him and then giving him glory how he's asked me to give him glory and the ways that he's asked me to give him glory. So it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say it's different for everybody because wow. like my favorite form of worship is music. And I think like we have to get out of the mindset that worship is just music. It's not just music. I think music can have a great deal of like making a worship setting and allowing people to be like come into a setting of worship. But like my time in just adoration and silence as a form of worship 
or if I love like dancing, then I can dance and turn it into a form of worship or I can take pictures and if I love that, I can turn it into a form of worship because I think every single thing you do in your life should be an act of worship and an act of like glorifying God and surrendering to him. Hmm. So, yeah. That is cool. Yeah, you're one of the better or best singers that I've I've heard in real life. Ah, thank you. Yep. Thanks. Yep. I do. I love singing. It's cool. I think it's a blessing for our community. Hey, that's so good. Mm -hmm. I I was raised in a household of music. Hmm. So my whole entire life, I went to like church wherever my dad was the music pastor at. So we would bounce from... Or he would start a church, and then we would go to like worship there, or go to church there. And then, if he left that church, then we go to another church and worship there. Hmm. Um, but then I became Catholic. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that experience? How uh, did that influence your understanding of worship, or did it? It. I think, being like using music for worship. A lot of times it's a more Protestant thing, but I don't think it necessarily has to be. I think like allowing worship changes as like time changes per se. So if worship is an everyday thing and it's in everything you do, then as time changes, like your everyday activities are going to look different. So your worship is in some way, shape or form going to look different. So like as music has progressed, we've gone from like chanting to having actual music, but it's still a form of worship because it wasn't the same. So there's like chanting and then there's like pipe organs and then guitars and then so, Mm. but it's still a form of worship and it's still like progressed throughout history. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been really cool like being able to be Catholic because also like the mass is the highest form of worship. Mm. So that's really dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the son of... So the Mass is the Son of God offering Himself to God the Father on behalf of humanity that we are, in a sense, a part of. We are part of the body of Christ who is offering Himself to God the Father for all of history. Yeah. So this is a pretty big act of of worship, in a sense, giving of oneself to God, etc., in obedience. It's kind of mysterious. It's what we call the Paschal Mystery. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah, it is really crazy. Yeah, so. but I think that you you uh, you said something that was pretty pretty cool was that their uh, worship changes throughout time uh, according to different cultures, right? And so, but there's still something of ourselves uh, participating in it and giving of ourselves. So when we give of ourselves, essentially we're being God-like because God is always giving of himself. Mm-hmm. And so when we're giving of ourselves to other people, uh, that is a uh, that is in a sense can be a form of worship to God on high is by when we're giving of ourselves over for another. Um, but what you said was, was cool was that uh, the, um, the self-sacrificial aspect to it and how it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you look like all throughout scripture, every single time there was worship, there was some sort of sacrifice Hmm. like Isaac and going to be killed on the altar. Like that's a, that was a form of worship because they said that we're going to go worship. And 
there was some sort of sacrifice or... Yeah, they used to do animal sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But, like, I think it's just kind of crazy to me because it's always been some sort of sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know? Even, I think, when you think of, like, Cain and Abel, it's like people are always like, well, Abel gave him everything. Wait, I'm getting these right. Abel, like, gave the best he had. And people are always like, well, Cain didn't give the best that he had. He just gave, like, something. Mm-hmm. And then you see how that ends. And it's like the Lord accepted the full sacrifice of like everything that Abel had and was like disappointed with the just grains, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it is interesting because the, here, here's a, here's an interesting nuance is that this highest form of worship of the mass is also geared towards us becoming godlike in our lives Mm -hmm. so like we were it's it's almost like the mass is for us Mm -hmm. right so as opposed to us for the mass uh the mass is actually geared towards a mission it's geared towards evangelization it's geared towards discipleship it's it's geared towards uh being peacemakers in the world and proclaiming the gospel uh it's geared towards us becoming when i say god like i mean christ-like of of being changed and transformed by grace so that we become Christians and light in the world, uh, a different presence in the world. And so it's interesting because, and Paul talks about this, uh, St. Paul, he says that make yourselves a living sacrifice. It's like, all right, well, that's actually worship, is becoming the person that we are created to be. uh, And it's inherently fruitful. It's inherently giving. It's inherently generous. It's inherently godlike, really. Uh, but the mass, his highest form of worship of God's self, offering God's self to God the Father self, uh, that we participate in that, and it's actually for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, the and it's geared towards ourselves becoming living people who worship, living yeah. worshipers. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the coolest things that I heard this weekend was when you put yourself into a place of worship and you put yourself into like a surrounding and a community of worship, then you're inviting in, like you're literally opening heaven and inviting it into where you Mm. are. And you're like dwelling in the Lord's glory and you're dwelling in his holiness. And then his holiness starts to confront your unholiness. And so like, what else can you do except sit there and like bow and surrender and say like, wow, like I'm sitting in the presence of holiness and I'm being confronted by my unholiness from being in the presence of mm-hmm. true holiness and what is holy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, in the Old Testament, they used to uh, turn their head or cover their eyes because they were not worthy to uh, see God or be in the presence of God. Yeah, it's like in yeah. Isaiah. Uh, I don't remember what it is, but when he's like, can like see, see his God. He's like, who am I to mm-hmm. be in the presence of the Lord? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's mm. kind of crazy. Yeah, it yeah. Really crazy. But I like this. I like the conversation of worship itself uh, because I think of I think of I asked the question. All right, am I worshiping as a Christian, as a person, as a Catholic? Am I living a life of worship? And I don't know. Perhaps I don't like organ music. 
or perhaps I don't like singing. It's like, am I still able to worship? Am I still able to live a life of worship where I'm giving God his due, which is this honor, this praise, this glory for who, what he has done, uh, for how he is a rock in my life, a refuge, how he comes to my aid, how he saves us and remembers and hears the cries of the poor. Uh, to give worship and to give praise to Him. What does that look like in my own life? And I think I, I think the way that I see it is that uh, the way that I see it is like a commitment to the relationship, where I'm I'm always showing up, or a fidelity, I should say, to the relationship, where I'm showing up and I'm presenting myself and I'm continuously trying to receive the grace and the Spirit. Um, making myself docile to God so that God can use me, transform me as a, and use me as a vessel, um, making myself a sacrifice, like yeah. trying to grow into becoming yeah. a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Yeah, and that's what worship is. It's like putting yourself on the altar and saying, I am a sacrifice for you to do whatever you want to do. And so I think it goes back to saying, like, are we putting ourselves in situations where we want to worship God how we want to worship God or are we asking him how does he want us to worship him mm. if that makes sense what's the right answer well I would say that you have to ask him like how do you want well, us to worship him and it's going to look different for every single person mm. but it can even go to like a, a, a music worship setting for example like if you want to sit there and just like be reserved and quiet ask the Lord is this how you want me to worship because if he says no, then you need to change. Hmm. And if you're in like a worship setting and say you hate the song, well, then you hate the song. But you can still put yourself in a place of worship and a place of surrender and say, okay, Lord, like I hate this song so much. But, like, hmm. how do you want me to worship in it? And so I think it's really powerful because if I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, I want to worship God like this. And I want to sit there and... um, Or... I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I want to worship God by like putting my hands in the air really high. And that's how I want to do it. But if the Lord says, no, today I want you to worship me by like going to a silent holy hour, then, well, I can go and I can put my hands high and listen to worship music all day long, but I'm not being attentive to what the Lord's telling me to do. Mm. And I'm not being that sacrifice of saying, no, like this is what I want to do, but I can sacrifice that and I can go sit in silence for an hour instead mm. or maybe i'm in a worship setting and i'm being very quiet and reserved and i'm like okay lord like this is how i'm gonna be i'm gonna be super quiet and reserved and he's gonna be like no like today i want you to put yourself in a posture of like receiving and so i want you to open your hands well then i'm being attentive and saying okay well that's how he wants me to worship so let me sacrifice that um so I think it's really interesting because regardless of like where you are, what you're doing, like you are also mind, body, and soul and your mind, body, and soul are there to glorify God. And so if you pay attention to what he's telling you, you put yourself on the altar to be a sacrifice, then he's going to tell you how he wants you to glorify him and how he wants you to worship him, hmm. which I think is super interesting. There's a, uh, the, a part of the mass that's always super confusing for most people. And it's even mysterious to me because I'm not really always in the disposition to enter into it. And so fast, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. 
May the Lord accept the sacrifice. sacrifice into your hands. That's like when I hear parts of mass. For the I love my for the praise and the glory of His name, for our good and for the good of all the church. And it's like that was just a loaded thing that just happened mm-hmm. that we just prayed for. What did we just pray for? Yeah. And I think you can kind of uh, pray with that for the rest of your life and never really exhaust it because it's kind of multifaceted. But there's this uh, the sense of like we're offering some sort of sacrifice. We're offering we're offering the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary, which we're revisiting two thousand years later, which mm-hmm. is mysterious Paschal mystery. Uh, we're offering the sacrifice of ourselves, which means what? We're offering our lives. St. Paul says this, um, the make yourself a spiritual sacrifice. So we're mm-hmm. offering ourselves as a sacrifice. We're placing ourselves, or I think the catechism says, we're grafting ourselves onto the body of Christ in that Calvary offering to God the Father. And then uh, there's also like little sacrifices that we make, like in the attempt of holiness or sainthood. It's like, man, like I'm putting my, um, you know, my vices on this altar and asking God to transform this sacrifice. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sacrifice my vices and allow God to come into that place in my own heart or, or the sacrifice that I've been doing of taking care of my family member or friend, uh, caretaking them and then placing that on the altar. Uh, that in itself is this like offering yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty, a, such a wild time in that, in that, um, in that, in the mass. Uh, notice everyone's standing. So there's a readiness there. There's a, everyone is in a sense participating in this in a red, in a ready posture. Mm-hmm. We are actively standing and praying that God receives this sacrifice uh, for the praise and the glory of his name, for our good and for the good of all of the church. And so whatever ha- is happening there, it's to give God glory. It's to uh, help us and to help everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's probably one of my favorite parts of Mass where it's saying like... It's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. But also you can do that in your everyday life. Mm. Like... You people always say offer it up, but like when you think of offering it up, do you actually take the time and say, oh, like it's really cold outside. Let me offer this up today because I'm suffering. But do you actually get the time to like think of, oh, I'm going to put that on the altar and I'm actually going to offer it up Mm. and I'm going to like let my sacrifice be the incense that's rising to heaven, Mm. you know? So I think it's really cool. But also I liked how you said like in the mass, we like stand or we'll kneel or we'll sit or like even when you are receiving communion and you're like a little catechist or like the little, are they called catechist? The little kids who are, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Whoo. Vocabulary. Like you teach them, you go up and you put your hands in a certain way to make like a throne mm. to receive the Eucharist or you might not even feel worthy at all to touch the Eucharist. So you're going to open your mouth and get it put directly on your tongue or you're going to kneel. And then like, there's so many different ways and all those go back to like, Prostrating yourself in a way to worship God. Yeah. And it's so important to like allow yourself to be in a receptive position and allow yourself to like surrender. It, it, it even comes to like surrendering fear of man or surrendering fear of the people around you. Like 
if the Lord's saying, receive the Eucharist on your knees, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, that's kind of uncomfortable. No one else does that. Well, then I'm making it what I want, and I'm not saying, okay, let me receive on my knees today, because that's Mm. what the Lord wants, and he wants that type of reverence. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a really cool perspective, because I watch people receive Jesus in a line. Mm-hmm. So di- someone comes up, everyone receives differently than each other. So everyone's receiving in, in their own unique way. And sometimes individuals change. Like you said, it's like some one day you're doing this, the other day you're doing that. And it's just interesting how, um, how people are presenting themselves and then trying to place themselves in a position of docility to receive. Uh, it's cool. It's mm-hmm. a cool thing. Yeah. Cause it is, there's, it's, everyone is so unique. So I researched this recently uh, because I've actually had this experience. Father Fred and I were talking about it of um, everyone's receiving all kinds of ways. And so we're wondering, all right, well, what does the church uh, envision for her people and how does the church instruct us to receive? And so there's, there's actually a lot of flexibility, which is cool. So there's, I think I kind of categorize them in four ways. So you have one way is standing and receiving on the in the hand. Uh, the other way is standing and receiving on the tongue. The other one is kneeling and receiving in the hand. And the other one is kneeling and receiving on the tongue. So you can effectively do any four of those. Um, and it can you can change it up. Uh, you know, day by day, if you wanted to, but the church gives us all all kinds of of permission, really, to to receive how we are best feeling that we should receive, how we are intuiting we should receive, or being mm-hmm. led by the Spirit, like mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah. So some days I'll go and I'll be like, mm, I'm gonna receive on my hands, and some days I'll go like, eh, today I'm gonna receive on my knees, or today I'm gonna receive on my tongue, and it just like changes throughout the day. Because I mean, I'm just trying to like be receptive to what the Lord is telling you to do. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I it, think it's interesting. It is. Yeah, it is. And then, but it does say the the missile, the, the uh, missile, the book that we use for mass, it does say to say amen or amen uh, whenever you, or right before you receive. And so you, which means, I mean, amen means basically, I believe this or mm-hmm. uh, I assent to this or... Uh, I believe that which is in front of me. Uh, so it's a cool when we hold up the body of Christ, and someone says "Amen." Um, the actual the in the exchange there is very profound. Yeah, usually we just kind of go. Uh, it just happens, and we're just going through all of it as a ritual. But if you stop and you think about it, it's like, wow, this is very profound. Yeah. I think one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me is <laughs> one day I was like, okay, I'm going to receive on my knees. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went up and I got on my knees <laughs> and the person just like shoved it like in my face. And I was, he was like the body of Christ. And I was like, open my mouth to say, amen. And he shoved it in my mouth. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then he like thought I dropped it and he was like looking everywhere. And I was like, oh my gosh, where did it go? But it was in my mouth, but <laughs> yeah. it was just really awkward. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, there's been a couple times where uh, I will try to give communion to someone on the tongue and I'll actually accidentally like punch them in the face <laughs> because it's it just accidentally uh, they either lean forward or something and I just hit them in the face. Yeah, it's uh, so awkward. 
<laughs> but, yeah, we recover. We recover. Yeah. But that's cool. So what else did you uh, did you learn or get inspired with this weekend mm. when you were at, uh, uh, you said it was Damascus? Yeah, it was at Damascus. Um, I think, hmm, there's so many good things. Literally so many good things. Um, I think one of the things that was really cool is how much, like, the Lord cares so deeply about worship. Mm. Like, he spent how much time explaining how he wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be (laughs) so people could worship him. Mm. Like, wasn't it like 40 chapters of just detail after detail after detail of what he wanted the Ark of the Covenant to look like Mm. and, like, how deeply he cared about it and then also, like, how deeply he cares about even if you think about it, like in the Old Testament, when a war would happen, people would send out the people who would sing praise and they would sing worship. And then, then it'd be like, okay, war's over. Or like they sang around and like chanted around the walls of Jericho and then the walls fell. Hmm. And so it's kind of crazy, like how deeply the Lord cares about worship. And I think one of the first people who really understood, or even like music in general, and I think one of the like worship music in general but one of the people who really understood that was like king david when he hired like four thousand or four out of forty thousand people to just sing praise to the lord all day long Mm. like that's crazy but it was an expression of worship and Mm. i never really like thought about how deeply god cares about our worship to him but also like yeah it's just kind of crazy to me yeah well there's something there's something to say about how uh, the worship is good for us. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that God is some sort of narcissist, yeah. hedonist. It's actually in this orientation or in this orthodoxy that we have this uh, lining ourselves and seeing reality as it is. It's actually good for us, yeah, ourselves. And so... Yeah, it's interesting how God cares about it, not for necessarily for his own sake um, in some sort of narcissistic way, but knowing that his children actually, this is this is how it aligns uh, best for ourselves. Yeah, one of the analogies that I literally, I was like thinking about this like 30 minutes before we started this. And I was like, our worship and our praise doesn't, change who god is because god is holy and god is perfect and he is already good um but like i was thinking of this analogy and i was like our worship magnifies lord and when you think of like magnifying you think of a magnifying glass and so if i took a ladybug and then i took a magnifying glass and i looked at the ladybug through the magnifying glass then the ladybug isn't changing because it's still a ladybug and the god's like god's not going to change because he's god and he's good and he's perfect and he's holy and he's like worthy of glory but when i take the magnifying glass and i look at the ladybug then i can see all of the beautiful and intricate details that the ladybug has and i can see like more closely the ladybug's eyes or like the little hairs on the ladybug's legs or all of the crazy things that are about the ladybug and so when we worship and we praise god like that is magnifying christ in our lives and it's allowing us to see him in a totally different way and it's allowing us like 
magnify who he is to our hearts and to our minds and to our souls and to our bodies and just as a whole, which I think is just like such a cool analogy that I never really thought of until <laughs> I was like on the way here. But I was like, wow, that's so cool because our praise and our worship doesn't add anything to God. And he's not a narcissist who wants more. But our praise and our worship, like, again, it confronts us with holiness and it shows us who God is. Mm. So, Which is good for us Mm -hmm. because it allows us, it gives us a path or it pays the path. It shows us the way forward or shows us how to live. Mm Mm-hmm. that relationship and that's what prayer is really is is place yourself in this relationship that ultimately illuminates life and reality and allows us to to move forward uh in a way that best serves us best serves our neighbor best serves god yeah i thought that was so cool though Hmm. so and like you said it doesn't do anything to there's this there's this prayer in the at mass uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it says, Lord, uh, Lord, n- n- our praise does not add anything to you and you do not need our, you do not need us. Uh, it's really, it's really interesting. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it goes, gets to this point that, um, God is perfect in and of itself and we're not adding anything uh, but at the same time, what is good about worship? One is it's right and just to give you thanks, right? It is truly right and just to give you thanks uh, and to give you glory. Mm-hmm. So it's there's it's right and it's just. Uh, justice means to give one give one their due, to give what's due to the person or to due to the other. And so uh, it's just to give God praise. Uh, God, the creator, God, who sustains everything in existence, God, who, uh, you know, is the one who is behind everything beautiful, everything good and everything true. The one who comes to our rescue, who hears the cries of the poor. It is good and um, or it is right and it is just to give you thanks and to give you praise. Oh, God, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, through our through our through Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The entire mass is said to God the Father. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. So like go back to the the orientation of Jesus who is at Calvary and there's a crucifixion there. There's a human crucifixion like Jesus is being killed, but at the same time like this was the task that uh, God the Father invited God the Son to. And so God the Son is following this task this mission to redeem or save humanity to take away our sins all the stuff that's included in that and so jesus follows in this obedience like he says in the garden lord take this chalice or this cup away from me uh but let your will be done if you don't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) if you don't want to take this away from me then let your will be done um, so he's in this, you know, suffering moment, but he chooses voluntarily to go to the cross, to go uh, to his death for the sake of God's mission. So that obedience there um, is an act of worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's the act of worship of God on behalf. So it's the, it's the priest that all priests try to imitate, 
which is this priest who is offering the Jesus, the priest offering himself to God, the father. And so when the priest does this role at mass, it's kind of the same thing where we are on behalf of the people trying to graft ourselves onto Jesus, God's God, the son who is eternally offering himself to the father participated in this act of worship but it's always it's always to god the father the spirit's involved the spirit is uh all over the place yeah everywhere the the what we call the epiclesis of of the spirit coming down and transforming the bread and the wine uh into the body and blood of jesus the son uh yeah that's so crazy it's a lot it's so crazy it's so cool like Wow. It is cool, and I like I like what you said about the diversity of how we are, um, how we are worshiping individually, like mm-hmm. every person. So that's a so the liturgy, of the mass is is public worship is what we call public worship, and then there's private worship, which I think is something like this, which is on a day to day basis, uh, living a life that you're uh, oriented towards God and giving God praise and that which is just to him, um, in a way that includes your whole selves through your work and Mm -hmm. your family and your academic life and your social life and your financial life and your, uh, emotional life, all this, all of this stuff, uh, physical life even is, uh, is allowing yourself to be a person of worship. Mm -hmm. There's a song and it's like, Oh, I will live on the altar. And it's like, I think it's a really powerful song because it's like, I want my whole life to be on the altar. And like, honestly, it's kind of like calling to the Holy Spirit and saying like, okay, like I'm going to put my life on the altar and it'll lead me to where you want me to go, which is like super cool, I think. And it's a really great song. I recommend it. <laughs> but yeah, I just worship and like and, and it's so cool because you have like the mass as a public worship and then you have private worship and then also you have like communities of worship who worship together so like mm. seeking water is even an example of going and worshiping and it's cool because you can worship like in adoration and we can have music in the with adoration or like even in the house church vibe like that's still worshiping because it, the lord says we're two or more gathered in my name i'm there mm. so yeah I just think it's really cool, but yeah, there's a diversity of of charism and and uh, ways of worship, ways of prayer, ways of praise, mm-hmm. um, and it's all good. Yeah, it's really crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know. It's something that I've been really like worship in general. Is something I've been really passionate about, and as like a worship leader, it's something that I'm really passionate about, and also like. I think one of the most important things as a worship leader is to remember that like you're not there to like glorify yourself. You're there to glorify God. You're not there for people to see you. You're there for people to see God. And like every single time I go and I lead worship, like my prayer is like, Lord, I'm here to show people how to worship you, but I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be known. Like, I'm here to be your vessel and I'm here to act as your daughter. I'm here to act as someone who's going to worship you. And like, also an 
a time of like thanksgiving for the lord like blessing me with a voice and blessing me with like this charism that allows myself to bring like that allows him to use me to bring people closer but um yeah i just think it's really cool so yeah what is the experience of a worship leader um i would say a big part of it's seemingly very priestly in a sense right you go you act on behalf of the people or you lead the people towards uh this act of worship Mm, i would say it takes a lot of humility because it's very quick and easy to like get in your mind and be like yeah like i'm doing a good job but like that's not why you're there and so it takes a lot of humility and i think like the center life and like the most important part of being a worship leader is your prayer life because like if you think about it free people free people heal people heal people people who are led can lead people but you can't lead yourself if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i mean i don't know i i love it but it's a challenge but also it's like a really beautiful challenge and it takes a lot of like attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. You really have to invite him in to like every set list. And it goes back like before every set list. I'm like, okay, Lord, like I'm here. I'm on the altar. I'm here as a sacrifice and I'm open for you to use me how you will. So however you will is like why I'm here. And yeah, so. That's cool. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> How, what is your What is your major? What are you studying? I'm studying communications, and then I have a minor in religion. Hmm. And what do you want to do with communications? Uh, great question. <laughs> I honestly have no idea, but I. Oh, well, I do know. I want to go into some type of ministry, some type of I think youth ministry, hmm. but I don't know where. I don't hmm. know what. Well, I. It's been like a big prayer of mine lately i've been like okay i don't like lord what do you want from me because i have no idea yeah and my answer is wait (laughs) like ah like (laughs) wait for what why do you keep telling me to wait like i'm impatient come on like can you just tell me like i want to know what you want me to do and he's like wait and i'm like just one you're asking to know what what to do with for the rest of your life (laughs) 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 yeah it doesn't work like that (laughs) But um, I'll even be like, okay, Lord, like, when I graduate college, like, what, what do you want me to do for, like, a year? And he just keeps telling me. Uh, he, he's like, I have something said different, but I need you to wait. And I'll reveal it to you, but not right now. Mm. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you suck, but you are also great. But, like, in this moment, wow, that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's what, uh, I think it was Therese of Lisieux. I could be wrong. could be Teresa of Avila. I think it was Therese Lisieux who said, Lord, this is why you don't have many friends. Yes. Is because uh, there's these hard truths that, or there's this waiting game or there's this lack of, lack of knowledge that we have to walk around with. Mm -hmm. But she said that in a, like you did with a fondness and a familiarity. It's, yeah, who knows what I'm going to (laughs) do. Honestly. Literally have no idea. Maybe I'll be a youth minister of some sort. 
Well, what's nice is that you had this place of, of docility or this place of, of worship, this orientation, Lord, whatever you want for me. And so you're kind of orienting yourself towards, uh, towards that, the greatest good, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Well, I've learned it doesn't work if you try to figure it out yourself. Mm. <laughs> Initially, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and then, no. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it's like, no. And the doors just keep getting closed. So now it's just like, can you just actually wait this time? Mm. And like, try to listen to what I'm telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I can do my best. But it doesn't mean I'm going to not try something different. And you're going to be like, no, stop. Yeah. So. The Lord's patient, hmm. very patient, kind of blows my mind. <laughs> hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Hey, you want to close this in prayer? Sure. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this beautiful time together. We thank you for getting to talk about worship, and what it means to worship you, what it means to glorify you what it means to step into the throne room and experience your glory. How our worship doesn't add anything to you, but it magnifies who you are in our lives and it confronts our unholiness. How our worship is an act of you calling us higher. We thank you for your beauty, for your glory and for your love for your compassion and for your patience, especially your patience. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and we just ask that the people listening on this podcast can be inspired and live their life and as an act of worship doesn't mean that they're not going to fail because that's part of being human. We fail every day. Um, But that people listening and just the world as a whole continues to live their life on the altar as a sacrifice to you I'm ready to receive all you have for me take me deeper Jesus friend I'm ready to receive all you have for me Take me deeper, Jesus friend I lay it down, surrender to you now Oopsies, we're gonna have to start over <laughs> Let's see I'm ready to receive all you have for me Take me deeper Jesus friend I'm ready to receive all you have for me take me deeper Jesus friend I lay it down surrender to you now hold nothing back you can have Behind, I give it all to you. I lay 
Take me deeper, Jesus friend, I'm ready to receive all you have for me. Take me deeper, Jesus friend, I lay down, surrender to you now. Hold nothing back You can have it all I lay it down With arms open wide Nothing left behind I give it all to you I lay it down 